0: Welcome to the Free Parking Show, with your hosts Amos, Rich, Ryan, and Peter, four sports journalists cover the world of sports with the utmost professionalism, or as much as they can muster after five beers.
1: Hello and welcome to the Free Parking Show. It's Wednesday night, which means it's the Par for Discourse show. Uh, we have a special uh, guest with us tonight and a special new format that we're going to run uh, because we don't have Peter and uh, you know th- our guest that we were going to have. Something came up and he couldn't make it, so we decided... And Instead, to bring in someone else on, we're going to do a free for all format. So it's going to be uh, the these three guys: Amos, of course, on the show with us; uh, Richard on the show, and then our third special guest, uh, Mitchell or uh, Mitch Reese, um, who from the Jock Journal, good friend of ours. So glad to have all of you guys on the night. I'm going to start with you, Mitch, being our guest. Uh, what is your team name going to be for tonight? My team name
0: will be the same as it was last time I was on. I am the alcoholic-consuming acquaintance of one Johnny Manziel, Johnny Manziel's
1: drinking buddy. Hey, if, it, if it's not broke, don't fix it. <laughs> All right, Amos, uh, how are you doing tonight, <laughs> and what's your, what's your team name going to be tonight?
2: Uh, I'm doing very well. Thank you, thank you for asking. My team name is Peyton Manning's Teabag Collection.
1: Damn Oh that's good (laughs) Alright and then Rich how are you doing tonight and what's your team name going to be
3: I'm doing good I'm doing good Actually you know I was going to pick a team name Related to Peyton Manning But since I just got done watching Rocky 3 Before I came on the air I'm going to keep it as a Rocky thing And I'm going to be called Ivan Drago's Dirty Needles Or Dirty Needle (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one as well Yeah, for the steroid stuff yep yep
1: <laughs> maybe had the maybe he had the same dealer uh that pate manning's wife uh had <laughs> but yes <laughs> all right since we have the the free for all format tonight we're gonna do it a little bit differently you know we of course you have the punishment still but we're gonna do a a second place and a third place punishment Uh, for the guys tonight. So second place, whoever comes in second place at the end of the show will be singing uh, Itsy Bitsy Spider for everybody uh, on the air tonight. And then this is a special one for me. Anybody listens to the show knows that I'm a Tennessee Titans fan. So uh, dead last tonight, we'll have to admit that uh, Marcus Mariota is going to go down in history as the best quarterback to ever play in the NFL. So that's going to be our punishments for tonight. You guys ready to play? Yep. Yep. Alright. So the first first mm-hmm. question here. Uh we're gonna let Amo go first, Rich you'll go second, and then Mish. Uh you'll be the last to answer on the first question here. So is starting with you here, uh Gerard Mayo retired from football after eight seasons. He's only twenty nine years old. This is starting to become a trend where we're seeing guys retire at a young age. Of course, you saw Patrick Willis, uh, you know, at 30. Um, uh, Jake Locker, of course, was only like 26 uh, because of health reasons was his main reason. Uh, but a lot of these guys, you see them retiring young, especially as of late, linebackers uh, retiring in their 20s or early 30s, um, and then riding out uh, because you know over the long term health implications that football can have. So, Amos, do you think that this is going to be an ongoing trend? Do you think this will continue?
2: Uh, yeah, I I really do. And here's the thing is
1: the average NFL
2: career anyways is only like, I think it's only like, what, three and a half years or something. But with all the health issues coming out, yeah, I think guys are going to come in. And I think the incentive is, if they're a big name like a hey, Calvin Johnson, Patrick Willis, even Gerald Mayo, who played great for years, <coughs> I think the incentive is, all right, I'm getting paid my money. I'm getting my contract extension at that point if I'm a really good player. I'm putting up great stats. I'm helping my team to the best of my ability. And especially if that team's not very well or if they're just mm-hmm. if they're getting that far and not doing anything with it, then, yeah, I, I think that it continues because, why, I mean, why not? Barry Sanders did it. I mean, he had a great career. He's in the Hall of Fame, and I think players look at it like that too. If I can put up my maximum effort, get my numbers, get my payday, and get out while I'm still healthy and I'm not having issues walking up or down steps or I can't go out and play with my kids when they become teenagers and stuff, then, yeah, I think it is going to be a continuing trend, especially with bigger names. You know, guys that put up – I think in five years this is going to continue to happen, and by that point we're going to be used to it because I I do. I just – Unless you're a quarterback or a kicker or a punter, someone who's not going to have a whole ton of contact constantly or someone that's very well-protected, I don't see a benefit of going out there and getting your chance of, your, you know, getting your knees blown out every year, getting concussions, breaking bones. Especially, I think players with minimal injuries that are big names will continue to play as long as they can because the health is there, they have the ability to do it, and they want to make as much money as possible. But these other guys like Calvin Johnson who make – 118 million dollars or something in seven or eight years and they're getting out before they're 30 where their bodies can still take the hits and they can come out on the plus side of it yeah i think it continues to happen and i you know what good for them getting out while the
1: getting's good some great points there. it's gonna be tough to beat that answer rich what do you have for us
3: uh, you know, I I agree with Amos. I think you're gonna see it continue. I mean, look at Glenn Coffey got out early, he's now in the in the military. Uh Chris Borland retired after one year as a linebacker with the fear of the concussions. You also have, you know, like like you said, Patrick Willis is out. You know, the announcement of uh Calvin Johnson, Gerard Mayo. I mean the the injuries are, are that serious the other uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago I was listening to uh one of the former uh, wide receiver from the Steelers says it, it's literally like he cannot walk down the steps without turning to the side because his body is that hurt. He said he had the opportunity to play baseball, and if he had a chance to do it all over again, he would have. So I think the fear of people, you know, hitting that age and knowing when it's time to go. It's gonna. It's it's that decision that they're just gonna have to to live with. Is like, hey, I can't do this anymore. It's time to get out. Whether it's twenty nine, whether it's thirty five, and you know, it's like he said, quarterbacks tend to have a longer shelf life than most other players. Running backs, you know, they said once they once they hit the the wrong side of thirty, it's all downhill from there. So I, I still think you're gonna see players retire around that age as well, and I, I don't think. You know, I agree with him. We're just going to get used to it.
1: All right. Great points there. Uh, What about you, Mitch? What do you say?
0: I disagree. I hope this trend ends here directly because I don't like seeing such big names retire so early. I don't like seeing the guys like Calvin Johnson – Gerard Mayo, guys that are big contributors to their team just happen to disappear so quickly. Now, I understand that the concussions and the knee injuries and the bad backs, the bad necks, they add up. But what I learned throughout my years of playing, if you love the game, you love the pain. You played to deal with this. You played to keep playing. You have guys in the league like, for example, Adrian Peterson who's been in this game a number of years and he's playing to his best ability still. Guys that have been around for years taking hits but are still going. Jericho Cottery is another one. You want to see guys have that longevity in their career. I understand where these injuries pick up and add up but to me... As a fan and as a former player, I hope these
1: trends knock off. I hope they stop. The, all the good points there, and I'm going I'm to be honest. Mitch almost had me uh, with the, just with the one line there that you said. Uh, if you love the game, you love the paint. I like that line. I might steal that. Uh, you almost had me, but I'm going to give the points uh, to Rich here. I thought you brought up some good points, uh, and then I'm bringing up um, – you know what just words just recently uh, brought up. Um, I can't. His name is escaping me right now. But the Steelers wide receiver uh, about and. Uh, Randall, yeah, and Randall. And, and uh, about what he Randall. said. Yep. Just, just recently, that was a good pull. So Rich is going to get the first points. The Ivan Dragoff's dirty needle. So who get the first point? Uh, going into the second question here. For the That's second the, question is going to be Rich, then Mitch, and then Amos. So the trade, trade deadline is now less than 18 hours away. Have we seen the biggest trade that we're going to see already, or is there more fireworks to come, and, and who would that be? Rich?
3: Man, I'm, I'm going to tell you there's a couple of names that you probably need to look out for. I know that they're circulating Dwight Howard and Blake Griffin now. Blake Griffin may have worn his welcome out down in L.A., and it's kind of sad because he – he was the one that helped keep DeAndre Jordan there. You know, he's, he's got a little bit of a track record going on. and I, I don't know. I, I think we saw one trade go down already, but I would not be shocked if we saw Dwight Howard get shipped somewhere somehow. But the only problem is, is you got to free up cap space to be able to take that contract on. I know the Mavericks are looking around at some other players as well. So I don't think we've seen the the end of it, but I'm not quite sold on anybody wanting to take Dwight Howard on. And that's the big name. But if you think about it this way, he wanted out of Orlando. He went over to L.A. They traded him to the Lakers. Kobe saw what was going on. He wanted out of L.A. He was the one that picked to go to Houston, and now Houston doesn't want him. So I'm not sold on it being a big blockbuster trade, but I I still think that you're going to see a little bit more movement going on as a trade line as a trade deadline looms but as in terms of blockbuster deals you i just don't buy it this year
1: all right so no big deals rich says what about you mitch what do you have to say
0: i'm not very fluent in the world of basketball right now i lost interest in it when the big names stopped playing and all retired but i could maybe see a trade for carmelo anthony I feel like if there is a player right now that needs new scenery out of New York, it's got to be Carmelo, a guy with that skill set and the ability to play well in clutch situations. It has to be Carmelo.
1: All right, so that would be a huge trade. Blockbuster trade Mitch is saying. Amos, what do you got on this?
2: All right. Uh so I'm a, I don't I don't think there's gonna be one in the next day. But because here's the thing, Dwight Howard, yeah, obviously issues with you know, first he, maybe it was the coach and then obviously now it's him with Houston not wanting him. But anyone who trades for Howard is they're wanting Houston's wanting a first round pick and they're basically – somebody's gonna if somebody were to do that they'd be trading a first round pick to get Dwight Howard to basically rent him for two months. And I don't think any team is willing to do that at that staggering price when there's not even that much, like after the first 10 picks in the NBA draft, the talent drops off so much anyways that it probably wouldn't even be worth it. Number two, Carmelo would be, but all reports that Carmelo loves New York. Yeah, New York has offered him like, hey, you know, do you want to go, you're 32 years old, getting up there in age, do you want to, you know, if you want to explore other teams for a playoff run or a championship chance, We'll allow it because we completely understand. But Carmelo loves New York. It's great for his marketing, and I think he'll stay there. The only other person that I could see happening would be Kevin Love because Cleveland obviously wants to make a deep run into the playoffs. They want to get into the finals. They want to win it no matter who they play against. Kevin Love's great, but his biggest weakness is obviously the way he plays defense. And he's, I think he could be a liability to them too, whoever he attempts to cover in the finals. So if there's a blockbuster trade, I think it's going to be Cleveland trading, around, trading away Kevin Love to get someone in there who can play defense for them at that position instead of just giving up 20 points.
1: All right. Interesting calls here. Uh, hearing some definitely some big names uh, out of those three. Uh, I'm going to give the point here um, to Amos. You know, he brought up uh, – all three of the names and really why he didn't think that they were going to be moved. Um, I liked, I like the answer there, Amos. All right, moving on to the next good question job, job. here. We're going to get into uh, the MLB, get a little baseball uh, news for you. As the season's just around the corner here, uh, Steven Strasburg, his agent just came out and stated that uh, the pitcher in the Nationals are no longer talking a long-term deal. You know the talks kind of broke down. Um, it's not off the table. Uh, he'll be he signed the one-year deal, so he'll be there this season, and then he'll be a, a free agent uh, coming out of the next season. Uh, and this will go to Mitch first, then Amos, and then Rich. So, Mitch, what do you make of this?
0: I think that the Nationals are out of their minds right now with not wanting to force a deal with Strasburg right away. Even Strasburg, anywhere else, would be just as big of a monster as he has been with Washington. If I'm not mistaken, this man's one a Cy Young. This man is a 10-plus game winner throughout a season. This guy can do it all. Fastball in the upper 90s, mid-80s on the breaking ball, very consistent. This guy's a game winner, and they're they're kind of like slow playing a deal with him right now. I don't think that's a great idea, because take it for a fellow former national, Doug Pfister. Look at the deal he just got in Detroit. He's getting the big money and playing for a team that knows how to treat pitchers. If Washington doesn't get a deal going with Strasburg, they're going to lose out on a gem that they really need for
1: seasons to come. All right, so the Nationals are to blame in Mitch's book. Amos, what do you think?
2: Uh, I'm actually going to completely disagree on this. Because as a starter, his record's 53-37, missed most 2011. They shut him down for the 2012 postseason. Yeah, I mean, he's done, and he's served, or he was on the disabled list for a little bit in 2013. 2014, Mm -hmm. by far, his best season. 2015, he played 127 innings, 23 games, 111. Weird thing, whenever Mm -hmm. the Nationals need him, and they need him to be healthy, Steven Strasburg is not there, and he's not healthy. It's... Agent even said they amicably agreed on a one-year contract for ten million four hundred thousand, and all that says to me is, hey, all right, we're going to keep him for a year. We'll see if he can stay healthy. Let's see if he can make some noise in the postseason for us. I think it's the right move on their part because, yeah, the way the pitching contracts are now, the the hundreds of millions of dollars these guys are getting, they're getting them to stay healthy and be in the game and be their ace when they need them to be. There's no way I would give a guy a ten million or a two hundred something million dollar contract over ten years for him over ten years for him to play five of them healthy it's just it, yeah it's worth it because out of one of them seasons I guess he could drive you to a World Series and you get that win but I mean at that point if, if he's so if he continues to get injured and everything then you just have a guy on your team making a ton of money who you can't trade because of the injury I just I, I think I I mean, I don't think it's either side's fault. I think Nationals are playing it smart. I think Strasburg's side is trying to play it smart by getting all the money he can get. Because, I mean, honestly, with the injuries this guy's had, you don't know how long he is going to play, how long he's going to stay healthy. And, I mean, I just, I don't know. I wouldn't pay him that much money until he proved to me that he can be healthy and he can drive as far in the postseason.
1: So two very differing answers there. Uh, Rich, what do you have to say?
3: So he first went onto the scene in two thousand ten and he was supposed to be like the next big thing. Uh, uh, torn his uh shoulder up, put on the DL twelve to eighteen months. Came back two thousand and eleven, uh struck out twenty four compiled a bit, ERA of one point five, had a one on one record, so he didn't do too much too, he didn't do too well his first two years in the league. Two thousand twelve, you know, he had thirty four strikeouts, second best in one point one three or 1.13 ERA uh total 6 walks and did not give up a home run consequently he he was named the NL pitcher of the year or pitcher of the month in June you know he you know he uh he was ejected in an all-star game uh he he did finish the season with a 15 and 6 you know uh ERA or 15 and 6 record 3.16 ERA uh he played well in 2012, 2013. You know, he had the, the another injury. So I mean, it's just they shut him down in 2012, the 2013 season. Uh, he, he was put, you know, he he was put up on injured reserve again. 2014, like Amos, the best season of his year. 2015, disappointing, only one eleven games, and they want to offer him a ten million dollar contract. I, you know, I just don't get where the where he, his agent believes that this guy's worth a multi-year deal. When you play, what, 10% of your time in the, in, in the majors, that one year, one, one good year, and all of a sudden you're worth a $100 million, $100 million contract, and he, his agent's lost his mind. I agree with the Nationals here on this one. You put them under that, you know, you give him that one-year deal, say, okay, you want, the, you want to earn the big bucks, you, want, you go out there and win me 20, you go out there and win the Nationals 20 games. Then we'll pay your contract. But until then, you're not worth it. And I agree 100% with what the Nationals did with this one. Uh,
1: Great answers from all three of you. I'm going to go with uh, Mitch here, though, bringing up, you know, he's a Cy Young winner. Um, And I I know that the injuries are a concern, but, uh, you know, getting a guy that's this level of talent is something that's not easy to do uh, in the majors, so you need to lock them down here. Uh, so, good answer, Mitch. That puts us right now at a three-way tie between Johnny Manziel's drinking buddies, um, Peyton Manning's teabag collection, and Ivan... Wonders, Hav- wonders do so well in the world. <laughs> Ivan <Havit laughs> uh dirty needle. Yeah. Um, you never know, though. Could you? you never know. I mean, there's plenty of times that we've seen plenty of guys that look like one-hit wonders that came back to have great ends of their career. So it is definitely you don't know what the right answer is yet. But moving on to the next uh, thing here, uh, today is Jim Brown's 80th birthday. So big birthday out there to Jim Brown. Uh, obviously one of the best uh, to ever play. Uh, The running back position at the NFL. There's the claps in the background. Standing ovation here on free parking uh, for Jim Brown. But my question is to you guys, in honor of his birthday, uh, this is going to go Amos, uh, Rich, and then Mitch. Uh, Where does he rank among best running backs of all time, Amos?
2: Well, I'm going to go with the exact place where he's ranked right now, number nine. As far as all-time leading rushers in the NFL, ahead of him, 1-8, through Emmett Smith, Walter Payton, Barry Sanders, Kurt Martin, uh, yeah, Curtis Martin, LP Jerome Bettis, Eric Dickerson, Tony Dorsett. It's hard for me to argue that he belongs ahead of any of those guys, as it would be hard for me to argue that any of those guys deserve to be ahead of where they are on the list. He had a very great storied career. He did so much for the running back position absolutely great for his time period, broke barriers. I mean he he's been absolutely great and he still has been active in the organization in the NFL with, you know, saying, you know, well I think this guy's gonna be great and that's good and I, I love it. He's a great guy. But I'm gonna say that he's number nine and I think he is where he belongs and I think that even Jim Brown would be or I like think even Jim Brown would agree that, you know, he is where he is for a reason at number nine. And I, I just to argue that he belongs ahead of any of those guys, you would be hard pressed to find any kind of argument or a statistic to show that. And I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's hard to say he's better than any of them. It really is. I think that list is perfectly comprised of where it is. As we can argue receivers and everything else, but I, he's number nine on the list this night. That's where I would put him if I had to, after looking at everything.
1: All right, so top ten finish for Jim Brown. What do you think, uh, Rich?
3: I, you know, in terms of yards, yeah, that's where he belongs. But in terms of talent, I'm, I'm just gonna say it goes Barry Sanders, Emmitt Smith, and then Jim Brown, and then you can look at the rest of the list down the line. Jim Brown was, he was, he was the boss back in the day. There was no other running back like him. You know, you see one every era, and this was him. It's hard to put him ahead of Barry. Sa- I mean, Barry Sanders never won a ring, but Barry said you will never see another running back do what Barry Sanders did in the league. That dude was a beast, and that's why I've got Barry. One Emmett's number two, just because he is the all-time leading rusher in terms of yards. But uh, you know, Jim Brown just gets my number two, my number, my number three vote. I'm sorry, he's big, he's strong, he can run the, he can run the half class, hard to take down got to give it to three, and that's just where I'm standing.
1: All right, so number nine and number three is what we got so far. Mitch, where do you think he belongs?
0: I have to agree with Rich. I have to say that if I had to choose a place for Jim Brown, it would be number three. Now, if we were talking prior to Barry Sanders and Emmitt Smith, there was no one that expected the running back position to evolve the way it did with Jim Brown. Prior to you know the big transition to the whole NFL scheme, the Browns were very fortunate to have a guy like Jim Brown. There's no real guy that came into the Browns organization that has made a bigger impact than Jim Brown, except if you want to go negatively, and then we get into the whole Brandon Whedon thing, and let's not go there. But the truth of the matter is, Jim Brown's day, we're talking one of the greatest running backs of all time. Talent-wise, this guy goes number three. Happy birthday, Jim Brown. Thank you for all your contributions to this game.
1: Some great answers there, guys, and this is a tough one. Um, uh, I'm going to go with mitch here uh i think that you know mitch and rich have really similar answers there uh but just gets to the edge with the happy birthday a little bit of love for jim brown so i like it um moving on to question five here guys all right so we're over over the halfway mark in the nhl season Uh, Moving to the rink, which if anybody listens uh, to the Tuesday shows, the Beers and Cheers shows, you know that this is Amos' favorite sport. Um, But we moved halfway. We're on the halfway mark in the NHL season. We've seen some great great, uh, goalie play from several different netminders. An absolutely good season um, for quite a few guys. At the end of the season, who do you think is going to take... yeah, this is going to be the best goal in the league and take home that uh Venzina trophy. Uh Rich or Rich, this is you then Mitch and then Amos. So Rich, who do you think's got it right now?
3: Oh man, you know me in hockey. I know nothing about this sport. So uh <laughs> you know, I'm I'm probably just going to pick the hometown team here because that's just going to give my Dallas Stars some love and say uh uh Kari Lowton, or however you pronounce his name, and that's, that's just what I'm going to say, because I, I got nothing else on this one.
1: <laughs> All right, the homer pick from Rich. Uh, on the Mitch, what do you think? Best goalie in the league.
0: I'm in the same boat as Rich right now. I don't know much about hockey, <laughs> but looking at stats right now, Leading the NHL in wins, goals against average, and save percentage, this award has to go to Carey Price. The guy is obviously shutting down offenses. And if that's the case, you're automatically in the running for the best goalie. I have to give it right now to Carey Price. He's shutting guys down.
1: So, Kerry Price, the Canadian there, uh, playing for the Montreal Canadiens, is, is Mitch's pick. Amos, where are you going with this one, with your favorite sport, the love of the rink that you have? I'm expecting a good answer here. <laughs> I think he may be proud of this one.
2: I'm going with uh, Corey Crawford from the Blackhawks. First in shutouts, second in wins, third in
0: uh, – I'm sorry, yeah,
2: third and save percentage, and tenth in goals against – the average, like uh, if you average all that out, he sits at a much higher ranking than any other goalies. He's had an excellent season. The Blackhawks record reflects that. Sorry, I had text come through. Blackhawks record <clears throat> reflects that he's done nothing but do great things for them. Been a staple as a part of that team, and quite frankly, I don't. I don't see how you could put anyone else above him with what at such a high level he's playing to be in such a high. My position in all four of them categories. I mean, the number ten is probably the outlier of the group, considering he's one, two, and then three, and the others. I, I just—it's hard to get away than Corey Crawford.
1: Um, some great answers there, and Amos, you made me proud here. Your, your dedication on the beers and cheers show is is paying off. You're going to get the point for the hockey question. Uh, I feel like a proud father right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll do a quick, uh, quick look at the the points here uh, as we are n- entering the halfway point of the show. Right now, Johnny Manziel's drinking buddies, which is Mitch, at two points. Amos is Peyton Manning's tea bag collection. Uh, he also has two points. And then Ivan Dragoff's dirty needle. Uh, Rich has one point here, so Rich got to come back uh, before the end here. All right. So here's question number six, guys. Uh, March Madness is less than a month away, with Selection Sunday being March 13th. You know, there's been a lot of talk all season long about, you know, as there is every year, who's going to be where, who's the bubble teams and whatnot. I just want to know. Who do you got as your four number one seeds heading into March Madness? Mitch, you're going to have this one first, and then Amos, and then Rich. So, Mitch, who do you think is going to be our one seeds?
0: Ooh. um, To be honest with you, I'm not real savvy into the basketball field, but I'm grabbing a look right now. And my source isn't working too well right now. Um, I'll be absolutely honest with you. I don't know. I I really I wish I did know, but the fact of the matter is, college basketball. I'm going out on a limb here. Not important. Not important. Whoever those first four guys. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Throw out some like Duke. I bet you they're up there somewhere. Uh, maybe Kentucky. You know them guys. Michigan State. Are we? Are we getting anywhere here?
1: No. No. know those <laughs> These things. I'm not a. I'm <laughs> not, not even bad, kind No. Of guy. It's all good. That's a, mean, That was a, a bold, well bold strategy. On <laughs> bold strategy, Mitch. Uh, <laughs> I like the boldness right. you had there. All right.
0: When in doubt, just.
1: When in doubt, North Carolina, (laughs) say. All right. So what was that? uh, Number one in all four. (laughs) (laughs) So what was that? North Carolina, Duke, uh, Michigan State, and and who was the fourth there? Kentucky. That was Kentucky. All right. So interesting interesting choices there, uh, Mitch. Amos, who do you think is going to be our one-seats for the tournament?
2: All right, my first one is going to be, I'm previously say, by Mitch, I'm going to go with North Carolina. 21-4 at this point. They're probably – this is probably the most focused North Carolina team or one of the more focused North Carolina teams that I've seen under Roy Williams. It's glad to see them back, and I think they're going to make a deep run. And anytime North Carolina seems to be on top of their game, they're doing very well. They always tend to be right there at the end. So I think they get one of the one seeds. Uh, the second one, I'm going to go with West Virginia of uh, the Big 12. I know Kansas is currently leading that conference, but I think West Virginia is only a game behind. And Kansas is a team that I just have absolutely no faith in. They lose the games they shouldn't. They win some of the ones that they should win big but by very, very little. So I think West Virginia is going to catch them, pass them, and grab a number one seed. Uh, my third one is going to be Xavier. I know they're tied, tied right now with Villanova, but Xavier has been playing half just life out, man. They've been playing great basketball. And because they're kind of local to me, so i got to go with a home team on my part. So I'm going to go with Xavier as my, that one. And for my last but not least, the Iowa Hawkeyes, they are 20, 25 or 26, can't remember, sorry. But they've they, all season, man, They have wiped up who they should have wiped up. I think all their losses are like a combined like 10 points or something crazy like that. So I think they're absolutely going to be up there as well. And I think it's going to be real fun having those four at number one. And I would love to see them all survive, be there at the final four, because I think you're talking about one of the best March madness that have in years.
1: All right. So that's West Virginia, North Carolina, Xavier and Iowa. Interesting choice there. Uh, Went with a couple outliers. There. I like that. I like that final four. Uh, being West Virginia, or that uh, the top one seeds. Being a West Virginia fan, I hope we get the one seed. That'd be nice. So, uh, on to you, Rich. You're the last one to go here. Who's your, who's your number? Or who's your top four seeds? You there, Rich?
3: Sorry, I just uh, I pulled up the bracketology from ESPN. They have in the east, they have Villanova, so I like that one. Uh, in the Midwest, they have Kansas. I'm going to stick with that one. Uh, you know, I actually like the four they got right now. Uh, North Carolina and, of course, Oklahoma. Oklahoma's playing good basketball. The only thing that I question is, like Amos said, is Iowa. But I don't think I don't think they're gonna out powerhouse Kansas in that bracket at all. I think what you see here with Villanova, Kansas, North Carolina, and Oklahoma are gonna be your top seeds going into this uh, the March Madness. I don't think they have Virginia ranked right number two Weak. But playing in the A C C with North Carolina is not I don't know that they're gonna do it.
1: All right, so the final four there being I uh, Villanova, eat. Kansas, North Carolina and Oklahoma. Um some definitely some interesting choices here guys uh but I'm going to go with Amos uh you know he, he picked a, a strong four there and he didn't steal them from ESPN Rich so Amos gets the point <laughs> <laughs> You're uh, just
3: being a homer tonight. You only picked Mitch cuz uh because of the other thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey man, buttering up works. What can I say? You know, little brown nose never hurt. <laughs> All right. Out of uh, okay, everybody it's knows, it's <laughs> everybody knows that this draft class coming up is uh, one of the weaker ones that we have seen uh, in some time. Uh, very weak at quarterback. So, out of the guys that are there, who do you think is the best quarterback? Uh, and Amos, you're first here, then Rich, and then Mitch. So, Amos, who do you think is the best quarterback coming out of this class? <clears throat> all right. All right. I'm gonna throw some numbers
2: at you. Uh, first off i'm gonna go with because to me there's only three really fighting for this spot and really you probably narrow it down to two but my first one i have paxton lynch 2013 nine touchdowns 10 interceptions 2014 22 touchdowns nine interceptions this season 28 and 4 absolutely great production i think and now uh, he played at memphis But he had some really, really good games where he just stood tall in the pocket. He knew how to run that offense, and he ran it. I mean, just big guy, strong, tall, big arm. Can make all the throws, great release, good footwork. But the level of competition kind of worries me. Then you have Carson Wentz, who 2014, probably his best season. He threw 25 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. This season, 17 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. He's done great. And, I mean, with a very small school. but you see guys in small schools. Small competition. He's done really well. But I just – I know he's got all this stuff, but you're always going to have that one guy out of every class who steps up. You can even look at last year with uh, the guards with Allie Marfitt coming up. And he's actually shown up to be pretty good, but two completely different positions. But my guy who – I'm actually not a big fan of, but production-wise, I think he is the best prospect coming out, is Jared Goff. 2013, 18 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. 2014, 35 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. This year, 43 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Five of those interceptions coming at the game against Utah, where his receivers just weren't getting open. He was flustered. But as a quarterback, you're going to have those games, especially in college. You never know what, you know, you go in there, you underestimate the competition. But he just, he's absolutely done great. His completion percentage has rose every year. The yardage goes up from 2013 to 2014. The yardage went up 400 yards. From 2014 to 2015, it went up 800 yards. He's just, he's done great. He's made all the throws. He's accurate. He's smart. He understands the game. He understands what the defenses are doing. And as far as those three quarterbacks, he reads the defense the best. So Jared Goff's my guy.
1: Very detailed answer there, a lot of stats, loving that answer. Uh, Rich, who do you think is the best quarterback coming out of this draft?
3: I'm just going to go with uh, Carson Wentz, uh, led to North Dakota State to its fifth straight FCS National Championship, running for two touchdowns and throwing for a third. He's probably the most pro-ready quarterback going into this draft in terms of size. 6'6", 235, or yeah, two hundred and thirty-five pounds, uh, two-time NCAA division one championship game, uh, won the MVP for both of those. Uh, football academic All-American of the Year. I mean, this guy is pro-ready. Size, speed, and tangibles. Doesn't matter who you play in college, it matters what you do in the pro level. We've seen players, quarterbacks that play in week to week conferences that go on to have Great pro careers. Look at Tony Romo, played at, uh, Illinois or whatever it is, or uh, you know, and uh, look, he's a Pro Bowl quarterback. So I mean, it doesn't matter where you play in college; it matters how you take your your Pro Bowl, you know, your pro career and run off with it. And that's why Carl Wince is probably going to run, you know, be this year's best quarterback.
1: Yeah, that oh, I'm he,
3: sorry, it's Eastern Illinois. That's Eastern the Illinois.
1: That's what I was just going to say, Eastern Illinois. But I like that answer too. Really good answer here uh mitch you got some tough competitions both really great answers here so what do you think is the guy that sticks out to you
0: all right first off carson wentz is out of the question i think being that he went to north dakota state that speaks a lot now given all respect due you've won fcs titles through your career in college you're still in the fcs buddy now I agree with the statistical uh, upbringing of Jared Goff. But when you look at a quarterback, never have we only solely judged a quarterback on his stats. You look at the intangibles. You look at the looks he gives the defenses. You look at the way he stands in the pocket. You look at the way he reads his receivers. You look at the way he calls plays from scratch. I think the best guy right now is Paxton Lynch. The guy's a big, physical guy. He can stand in. He can move. He uses his weapons wisely. He even talks well, for Christ's sake. He, he stands up well in a conference. If I was to pick an all-around guy right now to be pro-ready and looking to get a good pick in this year's draft, I'm going
1: with Paxton Lynch. Wow. Three uh, great answers there, and all three of you uh, picking a different guy, too, makes it very interesting here. I think you both, uh, all three of you had really great answers here, but I'm going to go with the guy that I think is going to be the best coming out of this class, and I think that that's uh, Carson Wentz, Uh, just because he has the size, he has the tangibles, and he's coming out of a pro-style system, so he has the advantage and being able to read defenses and work a pro-style system. So, Rich, going to get the point yeah, The here. small
2: school argument, just, like, yeah, I get it. But, with like, I know he came from North Dakota State, but Joe Flacco came from Delaware.
1: Yeah, that's that's a good point. And, uh, Play the D1 schools and then get them to death. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, though. I mean, if Romo came from Eastern Illinois. Uh, Flacco came from Delaware. We've seen quite a few guys make uh, – make the transition, uh, I mean, there's been a lot of guys that played it. I mean, look, Steve McNair played at a tiny school, and he ended up being a, a really good pro. So you never know with that. Uh, but I just coming from a pro system I think gives him a huge leg up, uh, you know, in learning the offense. Uh, as we've seen, that has been a problem with some quarterbacks in the past. So moving on uh, to the next question here, guys. Uh, and this will be the last question we do before the final question tonight. So uh, Mets pitcher, Henry, uh, I'm trying not to mess up his name here, but it's Henry uh, Meneja, tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs. Mejia. Mejia, is that what? Mejia. Performance-enhancing drugs for the third time and became the first player to ever receive the lifetime ban from baseball because of uh, PED use. Uh, This is going to be answered uh, Rich, Mitch, and then Amos. Rich. Uh, do you think that this is too harsh uh, of a penalty to lifetime ban uh, just right or, or too light even of a punishment?
3: Man, we're talking PEDs in baseball. What, what a better way to end this show. I'm going to tell you, <laughs> the third time using it, I, I can understand suspending him for a year or something, but a lifetime ban, how many players are getting away with PED use that we know of? Uh, you know, I, I I just don't know about prof- in professional sports. Let's be realistic here. You got PED use in baseball. You got PED use in football. But somebody receiving a lifetime ban for performance enhancing drugs is a little too harsh, I think. Let the man play baseball. Who cares? It goes on in the world of sports, and I'm just kind of tired about here. I'm just kind of tired about hearing of PED lifetime bans or the hgh alligator i'm just tired of it let's just play the game who cares i just don't care about somebody getting a lifetime ban for a pd violation for the third time yes give him a, a year suspension look at josh gordon he's with smoke weed what like four times in his career or something like that and he's only been suspended for the year twice you can't it's just getting ridiculous
1: Uh, Great answer there, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Josh Gordon has smoked pot more than four times, but he's gotten caught four times. Uh, Um,
3: Yeah, that's what I'm just saying. (laughs) That was a ballpark guess anyway. I think it's been like three times, but who's counting? He's a pothead anyway.
1: (laughs) I was just making a joke there. All right, so uh, moving on to Mitch here. Uh, What do you think about this? All right,
0: so... You see Mejia on the mound, and he's a bigger guy. He's a stockier guy. You can guess this is happening. Now, you look at Ryan Braun. Braun gets caught for his first time, and he's suspended for a year. If this was Mejia's first time being caught, I agree with Rich. But this is a third time. Cheaters never prosper sorry, Mr. Mejia, accept your penalty. You're obviously doing the game an injustice. Now, I understand we have legends in the Hall of Fame that now openly admit they have taken in PEDs, but we have evolved this game to learn how to spot these things. That's why we have so many punishments being handed out, so many guys... Uh, willingly able to test because they want this game to become more fair. Three times? Well, think of it as, you know, he does this with his strikeouts. Isn't it three strikes and you're out? If that's the case, this guy's out. He's done. Thanks for coming. You cheated. Goodbye.
1: Two very, very uh, different answers there we got so far. So, Amos, which side are you leaning on on this?
2: I'm actually going to agree with Mitch. I think that the punishment is, I think it's. I don't know how you go like too less with it, and I don't think it's too harsh. I think it's just right because <clears throat> you think about some of the biggest stages in sports. The all right, let's take. Uh, well, let's take the one, the whole world participates in the olympics these people are tested over and over after every race after every swim after every basketball game if there's suspicion of it because you it's you want everybody to be out there on the same playing field and you want to them to prove hey yeah no i'm better because of my natural skill my work ethic and you know the amount of time that i put into this to be as good as i am for someone to put in half the time and just take PEDs or something to help enhance their playing. Now, I, I, there's no room in the game for it. And think about it like this there are multiple states in the United States that have zero tolerance policies where it's three strikes and you're, you automatically go to jail for like 20 years. You know the rules, you're warned after one, you are really reprimanded after two, and third, yeah, no, at that point, we're done telling you. No room for it. You've been warned, you've been punished. It's time for you to get out of the sport. We don't want you here. There's no room for it. And with them, to, if they were to let him play, then it comes the argument of Bonds and Clemens and everything else. Like, well, why are you going to let him play doing it and then not let him in the Hall of Fame? I think baseball not only protects the players, the integrity of the sport, but they also protect themselves. And I, I think – and as far – like I get the marijuana thing, but that doesn't enhance your performance. You're more likely to run around and forget what the hell you're doing out there than you are to outrun everyone else. I just I, – I think the punishment fits the <laughs> crime, and I agree. I do completely, 100%. I, 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 there's no room in sport. There's no room for it in any sport, let alone baseball. Like, I get it. Baseball's extremely competitive. It's very hard. The positions are so technical. But, like, come on, man. You're better than that. Just go out there, practice, put money in it, build your work ethic, get help, hire trainers, Do what you can do to make yourself better legally. If you can't push yourself to be any better, then you just need to step off. Maybe it's time to retire or just kind of admit to yourself, all right, like maybe this just isn't for me.
1: Great answers, uh, all three of you there. Um, But Amos, uh, I think that you had a really great answer there, and you're going to get the point. And this will head us into the last question with a score of uh, Amos has four To Mitch is two, and Rich has two. Um, So, Amos, I'm going to let you choose on the final question here if you want to go first, second, or third. Uh, And then since there's a two-way tie, we'll give the tiebreaker to our guest. So, Mitch, you'll get to choose uh, the leftover, and then Rich, you'll have whatever it is uh, that is left. So, Amos, do you want to go first, second, or third on the last question here? I'll go third. All right, and Mitch, would you want to go second or first? First. All right, so Rich, you'll be going second. Um, Of course, uh, tonight, a huge game. Today, right now, as we speak, Duke and UNC are playing for the 241st time. Uh, right now the score is actually 44-38. to 38. Duke just took a timeout. Uh, number 20, Duke, of course. Number 5, North Carolina, with about two minutes left uh, in the first half. Uh, been a really great game uh, so far. If you're not watching it, I recommend uh, switching over to it. So I'm just going to ask you guys, among the greatest uh, rivalries in American sports, the, you know, the Red Sox and the Yankees, the Ohio State-Michigan, um, among those top elite uh, level uh, rivalries, where does UNC Duke rank? And Mitch, you'll start here.
0: Well, let's put it into perspective. If they only played once a year, they would play more times than my lifetime multiplied by ten. I feel like this is up maybe within the top five college basketball you know i don't feel like it's a mainstay watch sport but it's been around enough that this rivalry has obviously brought itself to national attention you said it yourself they're ranked 20 and 5 right now with duke being 20 unc being 5 These are two teams that are consistently very well-rounded on the court. And when they come together, they put on an explosive game unlike any other. If I was to pick right now, the Duke-UNC rivalry is in at least, if not the top five, the top eight rivalries in American sports.
1: All right, so top eight uh rich what do you think what do you say on this uh the tobacco road rivalry here
3: uh i'm gonna put it at number two for the simple fact that the boston red Sox, new york yankees rivalry has been one of the most heated rivalries in all of baseball you can look back to the the month in o- the october series showdown where the, Yanke- or the Yankees are up three games to nothing on the Red Sox. The Red Sox come back to beat them to go on to win the World Series. This rival That, that rivalry started way back when, when it was Babe Ruth leaving to go join the Yankees from the Red Sox. And the Red Sox claim their curse. They absolutely hate each other. Uh, Duke-UNC goes number two, followed by Michigan-Ohio State at number three. I put Duke UNC number two for the simple fact that these teams, they show a lot of respect, but they absolutely hate each other. If you don't you don't believe me, go back and look at the game where Tyler Hansborough got busted up and he got up and, you know, he kept playing with the – I mean, his face was mangled in that game, got slammed to the court a couple of times – there's no, there's no love lost here. You know they, they absolutely hate each other and this rivalry. They play each other twice a year. They play tonight and then they play again in March or right at the, right at the end of the season up at, uh, up at, uh, whatever they call the, 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 Duke home court. So I see that's how I don't even know what the Duke home court is called, but the dean, you know they called the dean. They're playing at the Dean Dome now, so. It goes for me: uh, Red Sox, Yankees, Duke, UNC, Michigan, Ohio State.
1: Great answer there. Brought up some really good points, uh, some very memorable moments, and both rivalries there. Uh, Amos, you have the the final answer here. You picked to go third. Let's see if it works out for you.
2: All right. So, and hear me out.
1: <laughs> Duke,
0: North Carolina
2: are in a top 10 outside yes they i would agree that they are in the top 10 but for me i would put them at number 10 if they were in my top 10 my reasoning be that michigan ohio state new england indianapolis chicago green bay the yankees red sox all these teams are just such great rivalries and what makes that even better is their postseason matchups duke north carolina one postseason matchup ever in 240 meetings. Hey, and I think I'm pretty sure North Carolina took that one. To me, that's a big thing. I mean, even tennis, Nadal, Djokovic. I mean, just with me, it's all like, yeah, the regular season stuff, absolutely great. We all buy into it. But when the postseason comes, that's the teams that we want to see. We want to see Peyton Manning and Tom Brady in the AFC championship. You know, we want to see all these people. We want to see the Red Sox and Yankees for the championship. You know, we want to see Golden State and the Spurs. We want to see that. That's what makes it exciting. That's what makes it intense. And that's what gets the blood boiling. That's what gets the fans pumped. You could argue Ohio State and Michigan, but they play the final game of the season. And before the playoffs started, if they were 1-2. That was their postseason. That was like a conference championships to see who was going into you know, the national championship. Great rivalry. If I had to put them anywhere, they would be at number ten because the postseason is such an important part of rivalries. What makes them special, what makes them great, what makes stars. I mean, that's why teams are that's why teams hate other players or fans hate other players of the rivalry teams. That's the whole part of it. Is God they kicked our ass in the postseason again. Like, it, that's amazing. That's a huge part of it. And the fact they've only met once in 240 meetings, yes, great rivalry. But I don't know. I just North Carolina, and plus North Carolina leads the rivalry, rivalry 133 to 107. So, yes, there's a rivalry there now because Kaczewski is starting to catch up on North Carolina, I think he's won the last three or five. So, yeah, I mean, it's a rivalry, but I could probably put 10 other people, 10 other teams ahead of that.
1: Alright, so some interesting uh, answers here um, uh, This was a tough one, you guys made this one tough You had great answers uh, throughout the whole uh, a whole show, all three of you So I want to give a special thanks to all three of you here um, for, for bringing your A game tonight But I'm going to have to go uh, with the win And uh, this question and the win, excuse me it's gonna to go to Rich here. I think that this uh, goes up there as, as some of the, you know one of the best of all time. Uh, you know because you know how many times that they've played, and if you look, you know the thing for me that I think is Duke and UNC are always the, uh, the, one some of the top teams in the country. You know the Boston Red Sox have had really bad years. You know and. Uh, Michigan hasn't been good in quite some time. they're starting to get back to that point now uh so you look it's like every year since the ni- early nineties it's these two teams are always uh you know in the in the foreground of the competition. so I think they deserve to be ranked up there so rich and Ivan Dragoff dirty needle getting the win um I'll give it over to you for a second. Do you have anything to say about your win here? before we head into the punishments.
3: I finally won one.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I finally won one. Wow. <laughs> uh, impressive, I guess. Huh? No, I have no final thoughts except go UNC. We're going to go all the way this year. That's my final thoughts. <laughs> all right, Rich, so, this is your time to sing the itty
1: bitty Spiders. <laughs> this is actually, uh, we got the, the uh, second place here because uh, Rich ended up with uh, five uh, points, Amos in second. With four points and Mitch and last here with three or two points, so Amos must sing "Itsy Bitsy Spider" for us, and then Mitch, you have to tell us about the greatness that is Marcus Mariota. So Amos, take us away here.
2: All right, I'll give you like ten seconds of it because I grew up with a family that watched Alien, not singing "Itsy Bitsy Spider." (laughs) So "Itsy Bitsy Spider" went up the water spout, down came the water and washed the spider out basically all i know
1: of that song <laughs> down came the water you have such a beautiful <laughs> singing voice too I have no <laughs> <idea>. <laughs> well you know the
3: spider went up the water spout down came the rain and washed the spider out <laughs> <laughs>
1: there you the go sun came
3: up all and dried right up all the rain and the itsy bitsy spider went down a spot again or something like that yeah
1: there you go rich winning and singing here Just all right you all right on. rich so, Mitch, yes. what do you got to tell us about Mariota here?
0: <laughs> Let's talk Marcus Mariota going down in history as the greatest NFL quarterback of all time. This Oregon graduate kissing the round butt off of Chip Kelly will come into the NFL <laughs> <laughs> and completely <laughs> obliterate the records of Joe Montana and Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. This guy tried his best, and came up short to the Ohio State University. But that's not going to stop him. He's going to find the likes of Christian McCaffrey, and oh, Lord knows, somehow he's going to end up with uh, Antonio Brown's son and the little Gronkowski, and this guy's going to become the greatest of all time. And you can bet that on Chip Kelly's big, fat, white, right buttock.
1: <laughs> strong words there, strong words. Uh, thank all three of you. Um, uh, all got, brought your A game tonight. Some really great answers there from all three of you. Uh, don't forget to tune in with us tomorrow night. We have a special show for you tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern, as always. Uh and then me and uh, Rich and Amos will all be there talking sports for you. And then, of course, on Friday we have the the free for all show uh, with Rich. We'll be talking some Walking Dead, of course. Yes. Um, we
3: still do not have a guest host, so we may try. Yeah, we may try and do something a little bit differently. I may do like a. listener interaction with that one if i can't find somebody to guest host with me i'm still looking around i got a few days so we'll decide i'll decide on that one later on down the road all
1: right so we might have some news for you tomorrow night on that show as well uh thanks to you all for listening tonight uh and we'll be here tomorrow night uh to do the show and be sure to be at text in and talk to us tomorrow night we'd love to hear from you uh good night everybody
0: Thanks for listening to the Free Parking Show. To hear the boys live, tune in every weeknight at 9
1: p.m. Eastern.